Thank you for joining us. We're so glad to have a great crowd here for our Christmas play. We're going to be calling it A Son is Given. There have been a lot of hours that have gone into it. You can already see some have made their way to the platform as far as our orchestra and instrumentalists are available here, and all the kids are excited to be a part of it. We're so thankful to have you here at Faith Baptist Church of Palm Bay. If you are a first-time visitor, perhaps first time in a long time, I want to say a special thank you to you before we join uh, together by singing a song. And uh, I want to say this by letting you know that if you're a first-time visitor and perhaps someone brought you, I want to encourage you, especially the people that brought you, to go out to our Welcome Center before you go home this evening and grab a a gift bag from us to you. It'll tell you a little bit more about our ministry. It'll have a gift for you as well in there. So make sure you grab one of those before you go home. And if you're sitting next to someone you brought, make sure that you bring that over there and get a gift as well before they go home. Uh, we can t- consider it perhaps your first Christmas gift of, the, of 2022. We'll put it that way. You can say first Christmas gift from Faith Baptist Church of Palm Bay. But we're so glad to have you a part of this. I'm going to begin our services this evening with a word of prayer, and there'll be a prelude after that entitled The Birthday of a King. Uh, but let's begin our services first with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank, thank you so much for the time we can spend together in your house and uh, worshiping you and the birth of your son. Lord, we're forever grateful for all that you've done. And and Lord, may as we put this together, the music and the drama and everything else that's woven together for this program, may it point us to the truths of your salvation that's offered to us freely through your son. Lord, if there are any here that if uh, this is all new, may we hopefully clarify uh, the realities of what scripture teaches us about the reality and truths of of the Christmas story. As we do this, Lord, may you be glorified. We pray this in your name. Amen. You're going to be sitting for quite a while tonight during the play, so we're going to ask you to stand now as we sing The Birthday of a King.
seated. Tonight the story will be told through a play about a man who just didn't think he could even have eternal life. He didn't think he could ever go to heaven because of what he had done in his life. Listen carefully as we move through the story tonight and see where God might be placing you right in that story and find God's forgiveness in your life. A son is given.
We come now to our final case of the day. If everyone would just bear with us a little while longer, we will get you home for the holidays just as soon as possible. Mr. Covey, who do we have next? Next, we have a defendant charged with DUI and fleeing the scene of an accident. Your Honor, Your Honor, I'm sorry. If I could just ask a quick favor. Hello, Sarah. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Your Honor. I thought this was going to be a quick case, but here stands before us a noble defender who is going to disabuse me of that belief. I'm sorry, Your Honor. If we could just have a, a brief moment together. My client and I have not had enough time to prepare. Come on, Sarah. You're just dragging this out. This is an open and shut case. And why are we stalling? Look, this is anything but open and shut, Ryan. Uh, Mrs. Novak, I could give you a brief continuance, but anything more than an hour, and your client is going to spend Christmas back in his cell. Yes, Your Honor. Confer with your client, Mrs. Novak. We'll see you back here in 45 minutes. Thank you, Your Honor.
Look, in case you weren't aware, slouching in the corner and hiding your face from the judge is very suspicious behavior. I can't face him again. Who? Judge Hammond? Do you know him? I can't face him again. Why? Do you not think that you can get a fair trial? We can ask for another judge or ask him to recuse himself. It doesn't matter. Look, you got to work with me here. Fine. Okay, we don't have a whole lot of time. Can you just tell me what happened? It's like I told you over the phone. I fell asleep at the wheel. Simple as that. It was an accident. So you weren't under the influence of alcohol? No, I told the cop that and the other attorney. I don't know why you keep asking me that. Probably because of your past DUI. That was over 20 years ago. So that's what this is all about. Finally gonna stick it to me, huh? I knew I should have never come back here. Come back? You mean you're not from here? No, I got out of this town as soon as I could and haven't been back since. So why were you here last night? I came to see my mom. She has cancer. I needed to come back. I'm so sorry. It happens. So just to clarify, you were at your mother's house at 2 a.m.? Yes. I had to work late, work all day, and I left late. I drove straight through the night to get here, and when I got off the exit, I must have started drifting off. I didn't realize how tired I was. I was almost there when I think I just nodded for a second. And that's when you struck the parked car and the courthouse sign? What's the point in this? Look, maybe you should take this a little more seriously. This would be your second DUI. The, the prosecutor's going to want to put you away for at least 30 days. That's ridiculous. I wasn't drinking. I've been sober for two years. But you still fled the scene of an accident. I didn't flee the scene. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I was cold and tired, and I had hit my head and thought if I could just get home, then I would report it. That doesn't matter. You still fled the scene. All I hit was a parked car. That doesn't matter. Well, it should. I didn't do anything wrong. You've got nothing on me. Mr. Friedman, I'm your attorney. I'm trying to help you, and look, you're not making life any easier for either of us by being belligerent. It doesn't matter. He's going to throw the book at me anyway. You mean the judge? Look, if you have something to tell me, you need to say it. It doesn't matter. It's hopeless. Sorry for the inconvenience, Mr. Covey. No problem, Judge. They sure are taking their dear sweet time in there. It just it pains me to see the public defender's office taking advantage of your kindness again. It's fine. We want to make sure that everyone receives fair representation. Trust me, Your Honor. At this stage, they're always guilty. And, you know, if they weren't, they wouldn't be in this situation. That's quite a jaded view of our justice system. I'm just saying you can't be in my line of work this long and not know that they're all the same. All of these creeps are just 
they'll never change. Uh, I should remind you, you are talking about a human being. Yes, and it's basic nature, basic human nature, in fact. A criminal needs to be punished. If you let him off the hook just one time, he'll be back in his old ways all over again. And again, as I said, people never change. Look, I appreciate your strong sense of justice, but you seem to be forgetting the place of mercy and forgiveness and rehabilitation, not to mention that whole pesky concept of innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> You're changing the subject. No, I would simply remind you that none of us are perfect, and if, but not for the grace of God, all of us will fall into all sorts of evil. All right, Judge. I know that you teach Sunday school, but this ain't a Sunday school lesson. Uh, and this isn't a little sin problem or a minor indiscretion. Uh, and when, when you, sh you, you can forgive mistakes and, and like little minor things and minor indis indiscretions, but, but not really bad actions. Really bad actions, they, they need to be punished because they cause harm. Mr. Covey, we are all sinners. All we like sheep have gone astray. We are all deserving of judgment. <laughs> now, who's the jaded pessimist? That's an awfully bleak outlook for it, Christmas it, Eve. It would be if that were the end, but that's just the beginning. Christmas reminds the sinner that fear and despair can give way to joy. <laughs>
Just remember to be respectful and honest. I can tell you from past experience, you're lucky it's Judge Hammond in today and not Judge Miller. Mrs. Novak, are you and your client ready? We are, Your Honor. May we proceed? Yes. Uh, well, now we will hear the case of Mr. Uh, Mr. Where do my papers go here? Here, Your Honor. Oh, thank you. Okay, yes. So the case of um, Mr. Craig. Your Honor? I told you, it's hopeless. Mr. Mr. Craig Friedman. It's it's like a it's like a ghost from the past. Uh, I, I must alert counsel that I, I'm intimately familiar with this defendant, uh, and, and due to our past history, I think it's necessary that he stands before a different judge. Your Honor, listen. I understand that there is some history between the two of you, but my client is desperate to have his case heard. He came here for the holidays to be with his mom. Is She's dying of, she's dying of... Cancer, yes, I am aware. To delay this any further would potentially leave my client in custody over these last precious few days. And additionally, it would be difficult for him to make bail. He really would like you to hear his case. And how does the defendant plead to the charges of driving under the influence and fleeing the scene of the accident? He pleads not guilty to the DUI, but guilty to fleeing the scene of an accident. And I would like to add that he requests to waive his right to a jury trial. For the record, Your Honor, the state has no objection to waiving a jury trial. Mr. Friedman. Craig, at least look at him. Mr. Friedman, is it true you want to stand trial before me and waive your right to a jury trial? Yes. Court will take a brief recess. Your Honor. Okay, Craig, spill it. How do you know Judge Hammond? I caused his son's death. You what? I caused his son's death. And you just threw yourself at his mercy? Oh, Craig, what have you done?
I was a stupid kid. It was my 17th birthday. I went to, the par to a party with some friends. Somebody showed up with alcohol. Everyone pressured me to drink. It was my 17th birthday, after all. You don't have to explain it to me. You're my counselor, right? My advocate? Might as well know who you're advocating for. Craig, look. I, I don't remember how many drinks I had. It didn't seem like that many. Suddenly, I realized how late it was. And I didn't want my mom to get suspicious. I grabbed my keys and left. Somebody tried to stop me. But I thought I was fine. I drove home. I knew I was drunk. But I also knew that I could do it. I was fine. I was always fine. I don't even remember exactly how it happened. But I swerved. I didn't see him. He was out jogging, practicing for a track meet. I didn't see him. It was an accident. Of course it was. It wasn't my fault. No, what am I saying? Of course it was my fault. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, too. My life ended that night. Look, I don't pretend to know what you've gone through. But didn't you already pay the penalty for that mistake? Didn't you serve a sentence? Manslaughter. DUI manslaughter. Isn't it an awful word? Manslaughter? I was convicted and sentenced to two years and then released on good behavior, probably because of my age. Well, then you can take solace that justice was served. Who's justice? Jason is still dead. I still killed him. Sure, I was punished, but it didn't bring him back. It didn't wipe away my guilt, did it? Today, I couldn't even look the judge in the face. Not one time. You've got to move on and at least try to live a normal life. When you cause someone else's death, you don't get to live a normal life. I can't move on. It's a debt I can't repay. Well, have you thought of talking to a doctor or a counselor? Maybe even someone at a church. <laughs> nobody wants me in church. Come on, nobody wants me in heaven. I don't deserve heaven, and you all know it. I don't think any of us get to decide who deserves heaven. I'm sorry, Your Honor. We're ready. No problem. I didn't mean to eavesdrop. I wasn't really counting on the discussion on heaven, but I guess what with the season and all. I don't, I don't understand. I think he means Christmas. Precisely, Sarah. You do know that Christmas was the time when Jesus came down to earth to open heaven for all mankind. No. You would know, sir, as the resident Sunday school teacher. I'm sorry again that it took so long. We're ready to proceed. Very well. Opened heaven to man? How would he do that?
Furthermore, my client did not stagger and stumble around, nor did he slink off into the shadows, as my esteemed colleague would have you believe. Watch the video. In fact, I would assert that my client didn't even flee the scene at all. He was disoriented, tired, seeking shelter from the cold. He was also desperate to see his mother, whom he believed could die at any moment. He didn't think he had done anything wrong. My client fell asleep at the wheel, and there is no evidence that he was under the influence of any substance. Your Honor, I stated previously that there is plenty of evidence that this was a DUI. Go back to the flight. Go back to the flight. You're like a broken record. The skid marks, the extent of the damage, the lateness of the hour, and more importantly, the fact that he fled the scene. Why else would he flee the scene? Your Honor. And furthermore, because he was drunk. All right? He fleed because he was drunk, and I know that for a fact, and the fact that he didn't want to get caught. All right? You can't take a breathalyzer when you're nowhere to be found. It's super convenient, if I may say so. Your Honor, please. I, I have so many objections, I don't even know where to begin. If both of you are quite finished with your theatrical performances, I believe we can bring this case to a close. At this point, I've heard from the both of you, as well as from the defendant himself, and we seem to be descending into a cycle of squabbling. I've heard your closings, and I'm ready to rule. Look, whatever happens, we can appeal. No, fate brought me here. I deserve what's coming to me. Why resist? Will the defendant, Craig Friedman, please rise? After hearing all the arguments, weighing the facts, viewing the CCTV, uh, CCTV footage, and hearing the testimony, I find as follows. To the charge of driving under the influence, I find the defendant guilty. Not guilty. What? Oh, Craig. And to the charge of fleeing the scene of an accident, I find the defendant guilty. In determining the sentence of this crime, it is noted that the defendant has a criminal record, including a previous DUI manslaughter, of which I am painfully familiar with. Due to the extent of the damages caused to the courthouse property and the suspicious circumstances of his flight, I sentence you to the maximum fine allowable of $4,000. Craig, look, it's okay. This is a big win. I told you before, you're lucky it's Judge Hammond in today and not Judge Miller. Surely we can come up with this amount somewhere. Surely you know someone. I think we can make it work. What's the judge doing? Mr. Covey, here's the amount that Craig owes paid in full. And if there are any other charges that his insurance will not cover, I will pay for those as well. But your honor. Uh, take it to the clerk and have her process the paperwork. I'd appreciate it. Judge Hammond, wait, you can't do this. Go home, Mr. Mr. Uh, Friedman, you're free. But how could you do this? I forgive you, uh, Craig, and it's about time that you've, uh, it's about time that you accept my forgiveness, but much more than that, you need to accept God's forgiveness. Look, I know you heard this before from church and from your mother, but you need to accept Jesus Christ as your savior. I tried once, but how could he really forgive me? After all the pain that I've caused and the, and the life that I've wasted, you of all people know 
why I can't be saved. You're wrong, Craig. He died for you. He loves you. Only he can truly forgive you, and he's waiting for you. Can it? Can it really be true? Can 
The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I do believe and I confess that he is my Lord and Savior. Amen, son. There's a new name written down in glory. Thank you, Judge Hammond. Thank you for forgiving me. I, I know it doesn't help, but I want you to know that my whole life I felt so guilty about what happened. I suffered every day since that awful night. Do you know what I wanted so much more than your suffering? Your redemption. How could you feel that way towards me, of all people? Only God. I feel strange like a huge weight of guilt's been lifted off. I feel, I finally feel... Justified. What? Justified. It means made right or declared righteous. I know I can't be righteous. Uh, no, not with any righteousness of your own. But now that Christ is your savior, you put on his perfect righteousness. We can never earn our salvation or wash out our many sins, but by faith, through the atoning work of Jesus Christ, we are cleansed. The, the penalty for our sins is paid. The wrath of God towards our sins is appeased. And God declares that from now and forevermore, we are justified.
Your Honor, can I speak with you for a minute? Uh, that scene back there was truly touching, but one of the things that it just, it really, I truly don't understand is like, I, I don't, I don't want you to hold it against me, but I don't understand how you could forgive him so quickly and so easily. It wasn't quick or easy. But that was your perfect time to avenge your son's death, and he didn't even get a full sentence. And it's just, it seems, it's, it seems so difficult. I, I would think that you would want justice. Justice? Mr. Covey, I love justice. I seek justice. My hope is eternal justice, but not my justice and not yours. Uh, I see what you mean. So what you're really trying to say is God's justice. Exactly. What is justice without mercy or mercy without justice? But your son. Yes. I lost my son, my only child. I doubt that pain will ever go away. But today I just couldn't stop thinking about another father who lost his only son. And that perfect innocent son died for the very men who caused his pain. I'm one of those guilty men, Mr. Covey, and so are you. You ask how I can forgive so quickly? Simple, really. I can forgive because I'm forgiven. I must forgive because I'm forgiven. And through forgiveness uh, comes freedom and peace and joy inexpressible.
I don't know about you, but every time that song comes up, you just can't help but singing just a little bit, even if they're singing it, it's just a favorite of all of ours. I don't know if you come through Christmas season like me, but oftentimes when I come to Christmas seasons, I like to think about who might just be my favorite Christmas character. Do you have a favorite Christmas character? Maybe it's the shepherds or the wise men or Mary or Joseph. Hopefully it's Jesus comes in there at some point. But have you ever thought that perhaps the person that, uh, there's a character in the Christmas story that was born thousands of years before Jesus was born and prophesied of his coming that actually the familiar refrains of which we sung at the beginning of this program, you heard, for unto us a child is born. And these are the refrains that you often hear when it comes to particularly Handel's Messiah. And Handel's Messiah is chock full of quotations from this particular individual who thousands of years before Christ was even born prophesied that Christ was coming. His name, of course, is Isaiah. How many here, though, love to hear Handel's Messiah every year like me? I love Handel's Messiah. In fact, even as a young man, a young boy, I used to love to hear all of the different refrains there. And uh, often people will say, well, certainly the beginning of that Handel's Messiah, or actually I can say the end is the Hallelujah Chorus, but many don't realize that that's just the middle. Uh, The end of Handel's Messiah is the Amen Chorus, which really is the punctuation to the entire thing. But Handel is chock full of of Scripture, and he's quoting together Isaiah's scrolls of of Jesus' coming. And certainly all of those prophecies and all of those famous orations, uh, for example, Isaiah 40, verse 2, when uh, Handel quotes and puts it to music, he says in Isaiah, "'Comfort, comfort me, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem.'" Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. This is in Handel's Messiah. Or in Isaiah 40, Handel will say, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see to get together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. This is also sung in Handel's Messiah. Perhaps most famous is the passages in Isaiah 7, verse 14, when it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does it mean that Emmanuel has come? I just want us to pause for a moment and reflect, even on the truths that was sung through chorus all this evening, on exactly what it means that Emmanuel has come. Perhaps you've heard the word incarnation before. The word incarnation comes from the Latin, which means flesh. It literally means enfleshment. It's where we get our idea of carnival. Uh, And we go to a carnival for, we could say, fleshly amusement. But incarnation means that God literally came in human body, God in the flesh. That's what Isaiah was prophesying about when he says in Isaiah 53, verse 2, that the Lord would come in the flesh. And there's a reason for this incarnation. There's a reason why God had to come to earth. And it's that very reason that we've seen through drama and through song that I want us to highlight together. See, there was a time when Adam and Eve enjoyed a perfect fellowship with God in a perfect paradise called Eden. But there was also a time when God drove Adam and Eve out of that perfect paradise called Eden. And the reason was sin. And sin has broken God's perfect plan, but God still has a plan. In fact, in the same passage, in the same chapter, in the same book of the Bible, where God is said to say in John 3, verse 24, that he drove out man, 
in that same chapter, God had a plan. And God's plan is seen in that wonderful verse in Genesis 3, verse 15, where God made a plan to redeem mankind to himself. And that plan included the incarnation. God would send his son to earth to be born of a virgin. He would leave his throne in heaven to take on the the, the pauper's clothing, as it were, to be born in a stable, all of the trappings that you're familiar with when it comes to the Christmas season. And let me ask, what was the reaction of the people? Six times in the New Testament, we read how Jesus Christ was mocked by those he came to save. Did you know that Isaiah, the same one that gloriously prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin, is also the one that said that he would not be initially received by those, but rather rejected? Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Friend, Jesus has come to save sinners. But how true it is that Jesus is so often rejected by those very people that he came to save. And what is our soul's then redemption? Isaiah 53, verse 11 says, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Christ came to be not only the suffering servant of Isaiah, but also, as Isaiah prophesied, he came to be the righteous servant. He came to sacrifice himself, as Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 52, verse 14, as many as astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than any of the sons of men. Do you know that Christ died a brutal death on the cross and he did this because he loved you? Surely, Isaiah would say, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. You have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to his slaughter, as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. The story of Christmas' birth is a story of one who was born to die as we started our program out together with. That's why Jesus came didn't come in great comfort or great show. He came to be the Savior of the world in great humility. And he invites everyone to accept. In fact, Isaiah prophesies of that as well. He'd say in Isaiah 55, verse 1, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters. And he that hath no mercy, come, buy and eat, buy wine and milk without money and without price. What is Isaiah saying? Come to the God who's already come down to you is what Isaiah is saying. This is what he's talking about. Back in the days of the Great Great Depression, a Missouri man named John Griffith 
was the controller of a great railroad drawbridge on the Mississippi River. One day in the summer of 1937, it was take your, work to, your, your son to work day, and John Miller took his eight-year-old son Greg with him to work. At noon, John Griffith put the bridge up, which allowed the ships to pass by and stay on the observer, observation deck, and he and his son Greg would enjoy lunch, watching the ships go underneath the now-raised drawbridge. Time passed quickly, and suddenly he was startled, John was, by the shriek of a train whistle. He glanced back and realized that it was well past noon. In fact, it was 1.07 in the afternoon, and the Memphis Express was scheduled to cross the bridge any moment now, with 400 passengers on board roaring towards a, a now-raised bridge that John was supposed to have lowered earlier in that afternoon. He jumped up from the observation deck and sprinted to the control tower, and just before throwing the master level, he glanced down to make sure that no other ships were passing before he dropped the drawbridge, and the sight he saw caused his heart to leap into his throat. Greg, his eight-year-old son, had slipped down from the observation deck, and his left leg was caught in the main gears. And quickly, John Griffith whirled to devise a plan, but he realized there wasn't enough time. He had to make a choice. Again, he heard the conductor's whistle on the freight train. The locomotive wheels were on the track, and his, he looked below, and he saw his son still caught in the gears. Yet there were 400 passengers on that train, and he had a choice to make. He could lower the bridge and save 400 people on the Memphis Express that day, or he could let that express crash and save his son. The bridge dropped into place on the Memphis track, and the Memphis Expressway train passed roaring over. And John lifted his tear-stained face. He peered into the windows of the train, and he saw people casually going about their everyday lives as if everything was ordinary. They had no idea what John Griffith had just done. They just continued down the paths. John Griffith is reported to have cried out in pain on that day, I sacrificed my son for your people. Don't you care enough about that? The train rushed by, but not one of the 400 people on board that train at that moment had any idea that a father had just sacrificed his son to save their lives. Friends, John Griffith gave his son so others may live. 400 others. But just as John Griffith gave his son that others may live, the Bible tells us that God sent his son from the glories of heaven to die for your sins that you may live. And he sacrificed his only son so that you and I can spend an eternity with him in heaven. Isaiah prophesied of this day. Isaiah 53 verse 10 it said, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper his hand. What drove the God of eternity to sacrifice his son for you? The answer is his everlasting love. Although you sin, God's love is still there. 
And although you did not deserve the sacrifice of His Son, God still loves you enough to sacrifice His Son that you might live. And if there was only one person on that train, God would still sacrifice His Son for you today. Friend, we saw through drama and we heard through song the truths of Scripture that we've now just rehearsed. My prayer is that there are maybe some in this room who have never accepted Christ. And why did we go through the hassle of putting on a program and it wasn't just so that we could have fun? Although some of us like music and we have fun. We do this because, friend, Jesus means that much to us. And we want you to know that he came to earth to be born of a virgin on that Christmas day so that you could accept his sacrifice for your sins. Would you accept him today? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we're thankful for the familiar refrains and the new refrains as well that we were able to hear. Lord, a son was given. That's the title of our program. We're introduced to him from scripture, not just in the new, but also prophesied in the old. Lord, there may be some in this room who have never accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, and it is our distinct privilege, it is our desire to show from Scripture how they might know for sure how they can have a home in heaven. Lord, if they have never accepted Christ as their Savior, if there are some here that are not justified, may today, even today, be the hour of their salvation. We pray this in your name. Amen. Before you dismiss, and as you do so, I want to encourage you with something. If there are some in this room who you can say, you know, I'm so glad we're here and I trust you've enjoyed this program. First of all, let me reiterate, as you leave, make sure you go by and grab one of our gifts from us to you. I really do want you to get that. But let me also highlight another reason why I want you to grab one of those bags. And this is for perhaps someone that brought someone with them this evening. If you, inside those bags, you will find a track that says, Why God? And it's our church track. And in there, you will have a description in print form of the gospel message that was conveyed through drama, song, and now in message. If you brought someone with you, and there's, there's a, a conversation that you can have, let me encourage you to grab a bag and allow that to continue that conversation and use that track that we have to continue the conversation. And perhaps this Christmas, the greatest gift for you will be the knowledge that you are, in fact, saved. We want to recognize those that have been a part of this program, and uh, we want to say a special thank you. Lori's going to come, and she's got a gift. I'm going to invite Pastor Paul and Susan to come on up here, uh, if you wouldn't mind, Susan and Paul. We're so glad for Pastor Paul and Susan's uh, ministry to us, uh, as well as others. And uh, we've got some cards. And then I'm going to invite not just Paul and Susan, we've got some other cards as well. Um, So we've got from Carol Keller as well as part of this. And I'm going to... All right, this is for Carol. These are all those that were so faithfully invested in all that's doing. And here's for Paul, and here's for Susan. And these are those that, here you go, Carol. These are those, let's give them a round of applause. These were those that helped with the music. Thank you. I'm going to let Paul and Susan stay up here just for a moment. You know, just three years ago, or thereabout, the Lord directed the paths of this ministry to have Paul and Susan join our staff. And uh, we didn't know each other all that much. 
uh, at that time. In fact, this church for years had supported the Van Lowe's. Those of you that are here know that. They were missionaries for so many years, faithfully serving in the country of Brazil. And uh, in some ways, English is now their second language, only because they spoke Portuguese for so long in that other country. And our ministry was in a period of transition, and you were being pastored by something that I'm constantly reminiscent of as I shave my two whiskers, a very young pastor. <laughs> and I recognized there was a real need, and if, for those of you that were here on that particular Sunday night that I now speak, there was a, there was a missions presentation that the Van Lowe's gave. It was their final one coming off the field, no anticipation of ever coming onto our staff that they gave that just kind of wrapped up all that they had done. And Paul spoke, and Susan played on the piano, Paul sang. And it was a very powerfully moving presentation. For those of you that were here, you, I think you remember that. Often we'll hear missionaries, but few times do we ever have the privilege of seeing all of what's come together. And there were those that were deacons and, on, and others that knew that we had been prayerfully considering how God would lead us to expand our staff, and we didn't know how that was going to go. And there were a few immediately after the service that came up to me and said, have you ever thought about Pastor Paul? Well, at the time, we didn't know him as Pastor Paul. We knew him as missionary. <laughs> have you ever even thought about him? And transparently, I hadn't. <laughs> and I was able to say, no, I haven't. I had hardly met them. And uh, we went out. I, I, right after the service, I said, can we go out to coffee on Monday? And we did. We went out to coffee and breakfast. And the next, one thing led to the other, and God directed the Van Lowe's to our staff. I am very grateful for them. As a young man in the ministry, I didn't know how much of a blessing that they would be to me. I knew that I was desirous to see them, that I wanted them to come. And I'm so thankful the Lord directed our staff to lead that way. And our church voted, and they have the unique distinction as having the highest voted percentages of yeses of anybody in our history on our staff. That's pretty cool. <laughs> But the program you just saw and the music missions musical we saw last month, it takes a lot of work, and we couldn't do it without them. And we wanted to recognize them. And Pastor Aaron's coming out now with something for you guys. And on the screen, you can see it's kind of small. We understand that. You'll have to see it later. But it's a framed picture. And on that picture, it says, serving the Lord together. And we contacted your daughters, by the way, to help us with this. And it starts all the way back in Woodcrest Christian School in Freedly, Minnesota. And then you can see all the different pictures that go down the line until you see us at the bottom, Faith Baptist Church of Palm Bay. And uh, you can see all the Portuguese languages, lames that I will not try to butcher, <laughs> of all the different ministries that they were a part of. If you don't know, the Van Lowe's have been part of seminary ministry. They were part of producing a hymnal in the Portuguese language. They helped plant four churches in Brazil before coming here. And you can see all those reflected. And your daughters helped put this together. And it says again at the top, serving the Lord together, Paul and Susan Van Lowe. And with much appreciation, we want to recognize the Van Lowe's this evening. say it's our privilege to be here. It's our privilege to serve with you. It's our privilege to hear you singing 
during the congregational singing. That is our real joy. And this is very precious. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Well, let's close our service with a word of prayer as we dismiss. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and for the testimony and song we heard. Lord, we're thankful for the message that can unite us as brothers and sisters in Christ. May we never take that for granted. May we thank you for the journeys that you put us each on and as we even allow us to cross paths over the years. Lord, may you continue to grow this ministry. And Lord, our, our big heart's desire is for those that perhaps come into this room who are not saved, that today would be the day of their salvation. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed this evening.